Is it on? There we go. Someone must have turned it off. Probably was me. Nothing like a little politics this morning, you know? Sunday morning. <laughs> hey, have you guys been watching the, the debates lately? Anybody watching the debates? Pretty intense, right? I, I'm always reminded uh, this time of year, because I kind of forget there's an election every four years, but there's kind of two type of people. You got one, uh, you know, one type of people who are just totally energized and fired up and like, I love this stuff, you know, about the presidential debates and let's get, the, let's get, let's get going. And then you get this other type of people who are like, I just want this thing to get done and over with and let's get on with my life and like, I just want it to get done, you know? And it's usually those type, two type of people who like end up like marrying each other, you know? <laughs> or they end up being like roommates or, uh, you know, working on the same, you know, floor and the same office, you know? But a couple of things that I want to share before we dive right into this is, uh, first thing is, um, I don't see this getting messy one, one bit, okay? And some of you might be upset and like, man, I love messiness, you know? But I, I don't see it getting messy at all. And um, I'm not here to tell you who to vote for, or, or I'm not here to debate with you. But also, the second thing is, uh, whenever you have a conversation with, with about, or a discussion about God and government in the same conversation, if it's either at the kitchen table with uh, friends of family, or if it's with uh, another coworker at lunch, or if it's in the same classroom with another student, this immediately kind of like tension fills the room, right? I mean, it's an emotional subject. And so even as we're here this Sunday morning, and even watching this video and the subject at large, um, I, I, and maybe some of you might feel tension already, uh, I just want to assure you that, that you're, you're in a good place, okay? We're here for God, right? Amen? Okay. It sounds like you guys are doing good, okay. Uh, Letters to the Next President, you know, it's a series that, you know, our, our, um, I'm super excited about. Um, we're going to be doing it for the next three weeks. And our staff, men, we decided we wanted to do this uh, just knowing, leading up to the, the presidential election. And, and this is something I think it's important, uh, and I believe that we should be talking about uh, amongst Christian followers, uh, because it's very, very important, because right now, even in the middle of our country, as we sit here and we have different backgrounds and a lot of things going on in our lives and a lot of things going around, this is an emotional, this is extremely emotional, very, very volatile. You guys agree? This even the subject, because people are just passionate. They're emotionally they, they, about issues that, the, that they believe in. Now, I was talking to a friend this past week, and we were even talking about just, and, and he said I could share this, but we were, we were talking about, like, even through, like, social media, like just how people are just express so much uh, in social media. And uh, he's telling me that he was about to unfriend someone on Facebook. Uh, this is, he's talking about another Christian, another person. He doesn't come to this region, it goes to a different region. But he, he's saying, I, I'm to the point where I'm gonna unfriend him just because of uh, this, some of the things he's posting. This person's posting on Facebook. I'm gonna unfriend him. I'm like, wow, have we really got that far? We're unfriending people? You know? I mean, you, you look around today, and, and you, you clearly see this as well, is that, again, you know, people are so emotional, so passionate about issues that they believe in. And I, and I did something I decided to do this week. I wanted to discover some of the issues that's going around uh, during this election. And, and I went to this website I didn't believe existed. I didn't even know it existed until we did this series and there's actually a website called Letters to the Next President. 
I encourage you to go there. It's letterstothenextpresident.org. And it's a, it's, a, it's a website that's designed for students who aren't allowed to vote yet. And they actually can write to the next future president about pressing concerns and thing, you know, issues that they have or things that they, they want to talk about. And, and, and I'm just reading about some of these things, and I'm like, wow. You think about just even some of the concerns of our next generation, our future leaders. You know, there's, and I was going to read some of them. We don't have time, but... One, of this let, one letter was this, this, this 15-year-old girl in Alabama where her, her, her title was, I'm the future too. And, and I just thought, wow. Imagine, the, you know, even you know, this question I have for you this morning. Imagine you, you think about the things that you believe in, that you strongly believe in. You think about the, the next president that's walking into the White House. And, and imagine the next president would sit down with his or her co- cup of coffee and a highlighter and would consider, you know, the things that you believe in, uh, in, in about whatever this country that you believe in at large, the, some of the issues. What, what would you write to that president? I mean, if you just had a moment just to write something to the next president, what, what would you say? You say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. President, you know, uh, this needs to be dealt with. This needs to be addressed. This is the big deal here. I mean, what would you write? Would you write about social issues in our nation? Would you write about the economy? Would you write about security or health care? I mean, what would you write to the next president? And as you're thinking about that, I think most of us, I would say, I believe, would write, you know, things that, you know, we would pen or write to the next president, things that we believe is best for our country at large, right? Things that we are emotionally attached to and believe that need to be addressed or need to be discussed, so before you start writing those things down or typing on your phone, you know, I, I want to, to just, just to pause for a minute and, and just, just to give you some thought here, okay? You know, as, as a minister and even you know, as a friend for, for most of you guys out here, um, you know, I, I see these issues and I see some of these things that, that people are just so passionate about. And, and one of the things that I believe as Christian followers is, is something that we've lost, and something that we need to be reminded of. And that is, first and foremost, is that if we're a follower of Jesus, if we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, first and foremost, we are Christians first before we're Americans. You hear me? Let me say this again. You know, if we have a relationship with Jesus through, you know, through God, we, we are first and foremost, we, we are Christians before we are Americans. And the reason I express these concerns is because I see this. I see these things in, in my circle and, and things that people are debating about and talking about. And I think what this needs to be addressed is because some of us act like Americans first before we're Christians. Yeah. And maybe some of you might struggle with that. Or even it would be hard for you to wrap your, your mind or your heart around because, you know, we live in the real world, don't we, right? We, we live in the things that are facing us day to day and things that are practical things in life. See, but when Jesus came on this earth and he preached and taught and he said, hey, this is how you should pray. You should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, as it, like, on earth meaning the USA, as it is in heaven. I mean, Jesus says this. He says, hey, if you're going to be following him, the, the most passionate thing that you should, you should be passionate about and concerned about is about God's kingdom 
over, the, uni- over the, the, the kingdom of the United States of America or any other nation or anything in the world. And, and I think, I, I see this, and I continue to struggle with this with myself, but most of us are praying like, you know, that the kingdom of God is second and, and the United States of America is first. We do this. We do this unintentionally. We do this intentionally. And that's what we see what happens today. Maybe some of us are here like, amen. I heard one amen, right? Like, yes, come on, Tejeda, we need this. We need, yeah, it's the kingdom of God first. Maybe some of us are like, you know, it's kind of pushing back and kind of hard to mentally put our mind around it. And it's like, well, I expected, I expected you to say that, Tejeda, you know? I expected you to say that, Anthony. You're a preacher. You get paid to say stuff like that, you know? The kingdom of God over everything, you know? But what, what about the real issues, Anthony? What about putting money into my pockets? What about the security of our nation? What about the future? What about the future of my children? What about the future of our grandchildren? You know, I, I get it. The kingdom of heaven, I get that. But what about the real issues, right? And what I would say to you is this. I, I completely agree with you. Th- those issues need to be discussed. Those issues need to be debated. Those issues need to be talked about. But my opinion is, you know, those issues are, are secondary to the kingdom of God being pursued and being desired. And the mo- one of the most passionate things that we should do that God wants us to is to put him first before any other thing, any other nation. Amen? Amen. And the reason I share this and where I get this is I, I want to introduce you this morning to, to two biblical characters. Uh, the first man that I want to talk about is, is a man who was oppressed by the government in a freedom standpoint, in a poverty standpoint, more than any one of us, probably any of us here can ever endure or ever been through, maybe, I don't know. But, but this person, you know, this guy is pretty famous and a majority of us know him, but some of us don't know the background or some of the things that he endured. And the man's name is the Apostle Paul. We all know the Apostle Paul, right? Yeah, okay. I mean, he had a pretty radical conversion and a, and a, a pretty, uh, really <laughs> radical experience with Jesus. But many of us don't realize that during this time, as he's writing the New Testament, he, he was being to, almost to the point of death. He starved. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was put in prison. And even with the letter that we're going to look at right now, at this moment, he, he's coming out of prison for the first time. And he's writing this letter to this, to this student, to, he's mentoring this guy named Timothy, a young leader who's leading the church in Ephesus. And Paul tells Timothy, you know, right out of prison, hey, this is what I think the main thing is important for the church. This is what I want this group of people to, to focus on, given the, the climate politically they're dealing with, given the climate of government they're dealing with. And kind of give you a footnote, what's taking place is during this time, Nero was the emperor of Rome. And, th- and this, this man was one of the most wicked and, and terrible, you know, emperors in, the, in, in history. He, he would take Christians and light them on fire just to light up his garden at nighttime. He, he would take Christians and light them on fire just to light the city at nighttime because they didn't have electricity back then, just to see the whole city. And so in the, this midst of persecution, in the midst of all these trials and, and, and opposition, Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, you know, in, in chapter one, he says, hey, this is what, you know, be careful of false prophets. And I just want to remind you that Jesus is the savior of the world. 
And then we're going to look at, you know, what we're going to see today in Scripture is 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. And this is what Paul says about Christians and where their passions need to be at. And so this is what he says. He says, first of all, he says, he's saying, you know, based on everything that I've said, he says, first of all, then I urge you that supplication and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving made to, for who? For all people. So right out of prison, right out of prison, he's writing this letter, you know, Nero's persecuting Christians, and he's writing to Timothy, and he says, first and foremost, you know, I want the church to do, I want Christ followers to pray for all people. And then he goes on, he says, I want them to pray for all people, but also pray for kings and all who are in high position. He says, I want you to pray for all people, but not just all people, particularly kings and leaders in high position. See, Paul's primary concern is that the church would unite in prayer. And who knows what they're going through, the circumstances that they're facing. I know some of us, we face some struggles and some circumstances as well, and some of us want to turn to God and say, God, do something. But he says, call on the God of heaven and pray for these rulers and pray for these leaders. Why? He says, so that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. He goes on and says, this is good and this is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people. He desires all people to be saved and to come to acknowledge the truth. You see, Paul, in the middle of everything he's going through, think about it, in the middle of everything he's going through, persecution and dying for Christ, middle of just all this stuff, the, the one thing that's on Paul's mind, the one thing that is it's in his heart is that the gospel needs to be spread to all people. He says, guys, you know, those who are against us, those who, who are causing problems, we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. Pray that they have some type of encounter with God so that their hearts may be moved. You see, Paul knew from personal experience that no person, no ruler, no emperor was too far from God. No, no one was beyond the grace of God. And he was so moved and, and he, he, just knowing that even the threat that was against him. And he's telling others, Pray. We need to pray for others. We need to pray, pray, pray. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray. Amen? The most important thing that we can do is pray that God would change the hearts of some of these leaders and rulers of this world and have a relationship with him. Now, the question I have that we need to consider is this. Why would he do this? What would move this guy's heart so much to write something like this in the midst of chaos and and turmoil, I mean, I can think of a couple things, but I, I just want to focus on one today. I, I honestly believe that Paul understood the, 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 the amounts of grace that God had on him. He probably woke up every single day and remembered his life before Jesus and, and ever since. And quite honestly, ever since, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. I mean, no one really wants to be beaten and starved and you know, shipwrecked and stoned and be put in a prison. I, I don't, right? <laughs> but Paul considered 
the experience that he had with Jesus, that his heart was so moved that he wanted, for, he wanted everybody else to experience it for him, what he was experiencing. You know, the other day I, I was praying about this. I mean, just trying to just wrap my mind around this. Because I struggle too. I mean, I, to be honest, I struggle putting the kingdom of God front and center in my life other than the kingdom of the United States or my own kingdom. And, and I'm praying through this and I'm thinking, man, I felt like God was moving my heart because I, I was thinking of our world today and, and I was thinking about, you know, Paul's day and with Nero and, and I was even thinking about our world today. I mean, there's some terrible, terrible leaders out there. I'm not just not talking about the United States. I'm just talking about outside in our country too. We do too, some terrible, terrible things, horrible things. And I'm struggling and wrestling with this and I'm thinking about our, our nation's leaders and I'm sure you have your own you know, list too, but I, I felt God like move my heart. And I felt like God was telling me like, Anthony, imagine if I got to their hearts. Imagine if I got to the hearts of the leaders of North Korea and they bow down to Jesus. Imagine if I got to the hearts of, of people, you know, leaders in, in, in different nations who do terrible things and I got to their hearts. He got to Paul's heart. He was doing terrible things to Christians, terrible things. But we get all hung up about the, the, the kingdom of God, I mean, the kingdom of the United States, the kingdom of the United States, and kingdom of the United States, and Paul was above that. He says it was about the kingdom of God. I mean, here's what I know. I, I know that God has shown amounts grace to all of us. You think about it. You think where God is where you were and how much God has continued to show you so much grace and so much mercy. Don't you want that for someone else? Don't you want that for our nation's leaders? And something that tends to kind of, I think, you know, pulls us away and drifts us away from pursuing the kingdom of God oftentimes is fear. The thing I find myself struggling with sometimes and pulls me away from pursuing God is, is fear. Fear of money, fear of the economy, fear of social issues, fear of the, the future. It just kind of, kind of like squeezes you sometimes, right? And then it starts drifting away and you start focusing on these things you're fearing about and then you're like, well, what about this issue or what about that or what about this? And all of a sudden, you know, your eyes gaze away from God and you're focusing on the kingdom that's right in front of you. If, the question is, if, if fear is the thing that subdues us, then what do we anchor our soul to? That's what I want to share the next story about another, remember I said I was going to tell you about two guys? Well, the next story I want to tell about is through the Old Testament and it's founded in the book of Daniel. And so for the next couple minutes, I, I want to talk and I want to share, if we want to put the kingdom of God right in front and center of us, above any other kingdom, this is one truth that, that I, I think we need to know, that we need to grasp this morning. I'll give you a little background about Daniel. Uh, Daniel took place in, in 580, 590 B.C., and at this time, the king was King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was the king of Babylon. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar came into Jerusalem and conquered Jerusalem. And so during this time, Jerusalem, you know, was, um, Jerusalem was divided. 
part of it was exiled and this part was standing. And so King Nebuchadnezzar comes in and conquers it. And he doesn't just destroy it. He does something different than other kings. He actually takes um, some, some, some wise people, some scholars, and takes them back to Babylon. And he thinks, hey, maybe these people can actually be a huge influence and actually help me run this country. And so he takes a couple of, uh, you know, young folks with them. And some of us are familiar with. One's named Daniel. The other ones are uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We've heard of them, right? And so, you know, the story goes in Daniel 1, uh, he, he, you, know, he, you know, he has this dream, and kind of a long story short, is that he has this dream, and Daniel comes in, interprets the dream, and he's like, this guy's awesome. Okay, I'm going to put him ahead of all the officials of, of the wise people, and he's going to lead that. And then in the next, what happens is, you know, this fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then after that, some 30 years later, this is what I want to talk about this morning. Some 30 years later, Nebuchadnezzar goes to sleep again. And he has another dream. And uh, this dream scares him. We're going to look in verse 1. This is what happens. It says, this is Nebuchadnezzar talking. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease at my house and prospering at my palace. And I saw a dream that made me afraid as I lay in bed and the fancies and the visions of my uh, head alarmed me. And so he has his dream, you know, you know, 30 years, some 30 years later. He's like, man, I have another dream. I thought these dreams were over. And it scares them. And so he calls all his wise people over and tells them about this dream. And they have, like, no clue. And he says, okay, I'm going to call my ace in the hole. I'm going to call Daniel. Daniel's going to come in. And so Daniel comes in. And he says, hey, take a seat, Daniel. Uh, I'll give you something to drink. Hey, I, I want to tell you about this dream I had, which Daniel goes, oh, no, not again. And so Daniel, he starts telling Daniel this dream. And he says, it's kind of like, it's kind of weird. It actually starts off really good, and then it gets kind of weird. It starts really good. There's like this tree and planted on earth, and it goes all the way to the heavens. And it has these huge branches and leaves and, and, and fruits and birds under it and beasts under it. And it's going really good. And then something weird happens. This messenger from heaven comes and chops down this tree and it says chop down these branches and scatter the leaves, scatter the, the fruit and dr run away, you know, drive out the, the, the animals. And then he says this, this messenger says something and he says, I want to show you what this messenger says and it says in verse 17 of Daniel 4, it says the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the Holy One to the end that the, to the, end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives to whom he will, and set over the lowly of men. I want to read this again. He says, the living may know, the living is us, that the most high, the one true God, rules the kingdom of men, and gives to whom he will. So he tells Daniel this dream, and, he, and Daniel's just like, probably sits down in his drink and just like, just is quiet. And it says in verse 19, it says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. And his thoughts alarmed him. And the king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let the dream or the interpretation alarm you. And Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. He says, Daniel, don't, don't freak out. Come on, just give it to me. Tell me what this is about. And Daniel's like, 
you have no idea what this means. This is bad. This is really bad. I, I wish this, not for you, but for your enemies. He's, Daniel says, okay, I'm going to tell you. He says, the tree you saw, which grew and became strong so that its tops reached the heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, those leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant in which the food for, for, food for all under the beast of the fields found shade. And those branches, the birds of the heavens lived. He says, it is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reached to the heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. He says, that's you. And then, you know, you're the tree. And Daniel, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar's kind of putting the dots together. Okay, I'm the tree. Wait, wait a minute. I'm the tree. The tree gets like cut into pieces. And he goes, he goes on. Verse 24, he says, this is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree from the most high, the one true God, which has come upon my Lord, the king, that you should be driven from among men and your dwelling should be with the beast of the field. You should be made to eat grass like an ox and you should be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives to whom he will. He goes on and he says, as it is was commanded to leave the stump of the root of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed from the time that you know, that you know that heaven rules. Wow. So he has this conversation, Daniel, you know, he says, tell me what it is. Tell me what this dream is. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you what this means. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, you're arrogant. You think you've done all this stuff. Yeah, you're powerful and yeah, you're great and you've done these things, but it wasn't, you're doing these things because God allowed you to do these things. And he says, that, you know, and this dream is trying to tell you, if you don't change if you don't repent, you're going to be brought down. And you're going to be made like a, a beast on the field, like an animal. In a period of time, you're going to be eating grass. It says seven years, believe, people believe it was that time that it would, be, it would take place. He says, until you realize that the Most High God is the ruler of everything, and he gives the power and the influence to whoever he wants to give to and well, they have this conversation, after this conversation, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar must have thought, well, okay, the beast of the fields, really? I mean, eating grass, like, are you kidding me? I, I'm good, you know, Daniel, I'm, I'm fine, you know. I know you got the last dream right, but uh, I, I think you're off on this one. It says 12 months later, 12, 12 months happens, and it says at the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the, the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my own mighty power as a royal resident for all the glory of my majesty? Uh-oh. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The, king has depart the kingdom has departed from you, and you should be driven among men, and your dwelling should be the beast of the field, and you should be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven period of time shall pass over you until you know, there's that word again, that the most high, the one true God, rules the kingdom of men and gives to whom he will. And it says immediately, he, Nebuchadnezzar like lost his mind. 
And he started slobbering and acting like an animal. And at that moment, Nebuchadnezzar learned. He, he learned a, an important leadership principle. One, honestly, I, I hope that all leaders today, even including us, you know, learn this. That leadership is a stewardship. It, it's something given to you by God. And it's temporary and will be held accountable. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar learned in that moment that leadership is, is a stewardship. It's something that's loaned to you. And just as it applies to Nebuchadnezzar, it applies to us too. And that is that the, the Most High God is ruler of everything. He's the sovereign of everything. And he's willing to choose who he wants to give influence and power to. And oh, by the way, this is temporary. And we all will be held accountable. Seven years pass. And after seven years, it says, at the end of the day, I, Nebuchadnezzar, I lifted my eyes to heaven. And my reason and, or my sanity returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever or his dominion as an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can stay in his hand or say to him, what have I done? He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For his work are right. For all his works are right and his way are just. Let me stop there. He says, all his works are right and his way are just. A lot of times we want to complain about God. Well, why, why do you allow this? Why are you allowing this situation? Or why are you allowing these leaders? See, he, he, he humbled out. He said, you know, God, all your works are right and your ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he's able to humble. See, Nebuchadnezzar learned a long, long time ago that the most high God is of all creation. And these individuals that he put in, in power, if it's either a, a mayor or a governor or a dictator or an emperor or a pharaoh or even a president, across times, ultimately God has placed them, you know, to, to, to have this type of authority. But Nebuchadnezzar learned this, that, hey, a big lesson that God has given me this authority. And after his, his, his sanity, you know, he woke up and returned to his sanity, he realized this. And he humbled out that, hey, I'm under God's reign. And because he realized that, he, 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 he led differently, he governed differently, and things started to change. You see, Paul... You know, Paul finds himself hundreds of hundreds of years later in the middle of this government and, and, and all this oppression, this being in prison and, and it's even starting this revolution of Christians. And he's writing to Christians and, and whatever they're going through. And, and he's saying, hey, we need to find security in God. He's like, God, I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen but here's what I do know. You put Nero in power for a good reason, and I'm just going to rest in that. But God, I'm going to put my passion in you, and I'm going to treat your kingdom number one, and I, I want the church to be united, and we need to pray for our leaders. See, the one, number one thing he realizes is that the most high God 
is the ruler of this world. And we can trust in him, brothers and sisters. We can trust that God leads our country. Ultimately, more than anyone else. And men and women, if we don't rest in that, if we don't find comfort in seeing that God is in control, then we're going to make all these other issues. They're going to be up and down, up and down. God wants us to be secure in him and continue to make the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is this, that it's about his kingdom and not ours. To end it with this, if Daniel were here and he was writing a letter to our next president of the United States, perhaps it would sound something like this. While it is true that you are accountable to us, the American people, we are not your source of ultimate accountability. And while it's true that you must answer to the Congress of the United States, you must one day answer to someone far greater consequence. And while you consult with leaders from around the world, our hope is that you will not forget to consult with the creator of this world. And as the great Nebuchadnezzar once reminded, the Most High is sovereign over the kingdom of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And so your leadership, like all leadership, is stewardship. It's temporary. And you, even you, are accountable. We're going to pray for communion right now. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll come back for some thoughts. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come before you just humbled and grateful for the opportunities we have here in the United States of America even the freedom to, to actually have a, a voting system to choose our next leader, God. Many nations don't have that, God. And I even want to pray right now for the men and women who sacrifice for our country. Uh, we don't take that lightly, God, and, and we just honor you. I hope today we honor you with our thoughts. We praise your name. And even as we take communion right now, God, what means most is with the sacrifice that you've done, Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. It's just a reminder of how much you love us. You, you show us so much how much you love us, God. And I, I just pray that we honor your name and we're grateful to be in your presence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. to you.
Well, I want to thank Anthony again for a great message this morning. And uh, as I close this out uh, this morning, I do want to share a verse with you that you know, came to me as he was talking, and it's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. And listen to this part. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And uh, it's his kingdom that reigns. Amen? And uh, today, uh, before you leave, I want to encourage some conversation amongst each other. And uh, I want you to think about this question. What is keeping you from putting God's kingdom above the kingdom of this country or the kingdom of your own life? What's keeping you from putting God's kingdom number one in your life this morning? And in that verse, it talks about the pride of life. And a lot of times that might be what's keeping us from putting God first. So I want you to talk about that, maybe talk with somebody. What's keeping you from putting God first? And uh, pray with each other. Uh, Hold hands, pray, put your arms around somebody, pray with them for our country. Uh, Pray that God would continue to lead us. And uh, last thing I wanna share with you this morning is in in our high school ministry, uh, we're gonna be having a baptism today. If I can have Julia Padilla stand on up. Uh, Julia is a very special person to our ministry, and uh, she's going to be getting baptized today at 2 p.m. at uh, Pierre and Linda's home here in Covina. And so uh, if you need the address and you want to be there, uh, if you know the Padilla family, please come and support and show your love. It's going to be a great time as she makes Jesus Lord of her life. Again, that's at 2 p.m. at uh, Pierre and Linda Hernandez's home today. Thank you so much. Uh, You guys can go ahead and stand on up. You are dismissed. Have a great day.